Good morning, good morning, good morning, and happy Sabbath, everyone. Welcome back to another great, gonna be great Sabbath school discussion. Um, before we begin, um, I want to, first of all, um, if you have not received the information, we did have um, the passing of Brother Bobby Wells. Um, we just got that information this morning. So to the family, I want to offer our deepest condolences. I understand it is a trying time to experience death, um, but just know that we are with you in spirit. And as always, if anything is needed, just reach out to your family. Um, I want to offer a welcome to uh, Sister Newton uh, joining us um, this morning for this discussion that we are going to have. Um, she's a partial member of our church, I would say, <laughs> Pastor Newton's mom. And I thank you very much for joining us. Um, would you mind offering a prayer before we begin? Please. Yes, for sure. Good morning, everyone. Let us pray. Father God, we love you. And we thank you so much for loving us and just bringing us through to this Sabbath, an opportunity for us to reflect rest and reflect on you. We are just asking, Father, that your presence will just be with all of us now. You see all of our needs. You heard the announcement. Just continue to be with all of us and minister to us. But for Sister Pam and I, all who are listening, we're asking for the uh, anointing presence of the Holy Spirit that as we study this very important lesson that you've sent us for this week, we will not just be hearers of the word, Lord, but we will be doers. Our hearts will be open to hear what you're saying and not just listen, but willing to submit in allowing your spirit to guide us in Jesus' name. Amen, amen, amen. Thank you for that, Sister Newton. Um, for those of you joining us virtually, welcome again. Thank you for coming with us and enjoying this uh, discussion with us today. Uh, let us, Sister Newton, get into it. So it's lesson six, and it is entitled Struggling with All Energy. Mm. The memory verse that they gave us um, in our text, they gave the uh, New International Version. I kind of like the King James Version. I try to read both versions of the text, but the memory text given uh, the New International Version, and this is from Colossians chapter one, verse 29. And it says, to this end, I strenuously contend, struggling with all the energy Christ so powerfully works in me. When I look at the uh, King James Version, that same uh, text, Colossians chapter 1 and verse 29, it says, Whereupon I also labor, striving according to his working, which worketh in me mightily. So the gist of this week's lesson, sis, is about will and willpower. Our will, God's will. Our willpower, God's willpower. When we look at Sunday's lesson, uh, that is entitled The Spirit of Truth. And 
we know God is our savior in times of trouble. We know that we can call on God whenever we are stuck, whenever we need um, a space. Um, we can count on God. In the same light, God gave us free choice. Good morning, Sister Taylor. Happy Sabbath to you. Thank you for joining us again. Um, God gave us free choice. There has to be pros and cons to everything. There are going to be pros and cons to everything. What is a benefit or um, uh, a good thing and what can be what can be a destruction to us having free will? When I think of the pros of free will, I think in terms of us being placed, as an analogy, us being placed in a situation where we have no choice. You do what I tell you to do. You do not, you cannot um, intersperse how you feel or what you think. It's what I want you to do. God has not made us automatons where whatever he wants for us, we have to do it because he, this is what he wants. He wants us always to be able to make that choice. And that was evidenced even in, in heaven, you know, with, um, with Lucifer becoming Satan. It was evident in Adam and Eve in the garden, hence the position we're in that the power of choice was always preserved. So no one can ever say God forced me to do it. And no one should ever say even that the devil forces us because the power of choice is there. So that is the pros I feel of having free will. We have the opportunity to make a choice and it's an informed choice. Because the, the Bible is there, the influence of others around us, be it negative or positive, speaks to why we should make a choice for God. But the cons of that too comes with that choice in that there are consequences, the cause and effect relationship. You know, um, when we choose to go our way, we feel good, we feel empowered, we think, oh, everything is going to be fine because I see nothing wrong with this especially if we associate with individuals who are of the same mind, they will encourage us. Yes, you're making the right decision. But the reality is that any decision made outside of God will always have negative consequences. And so that is, I would say, one of the, the major con is that whatever God wants for us is what is best for us, what he knows will be in our best interest when we choose against that then the consequences come and we have to pay that price. Well said. Um, everybody wants to have a choice. Nobody, like you said, wants to be feeling like they're pushed in a corner and they don't have options. Everybody loves to have options. Um, and yeah, one of the disadvantages is that we choose and sometimes we choose according to the wrong voice. We listen to the wrong people, the wrong voice versus um, what we should. And sometimes the wrong choice is the easier choice. And we tend to forget that. We tend to forget that. Yeah. Uh, continuing on with Sunday's lesson, uh, it references John 16, 
in verse 5 to 15, uh, when Jesus was about to leave the disciples and he was telling them about the Spirit, the Holy Spirit being there uh, for them. What does the Holy Spirit do for us, particularly when it comes to uh, free choice? What are the benefits of, of having the, um, the Holy Spirit listening to that? Well, you know, when, when I read through the, the, the uh, verses, verses 5 to 15 of that chapter, chapter 16, what, what, it, it, what really struck me, Sister Pam, was the whole idea of the fact that we serve one God. I cannot say I serve three gods. I don't. I serve one God. And that that the, it's one God because they're one in purpose. He cannot, he will not testify of anything else. Sin has, he, he testifies of, you know, of, of what Jesus has said to us because they all worked in unison. Sin has rendered us emotional, physical, mentally handicapped. And so the only way we can really make the right choice is when we recognize that and recognize that it's with the help of the Holy Spirit who will only testify of Jesus, can we really be able to make the right choice in, in choosing God, where that free will is. And so the Holy Spirit is vital. And you know what is really crazy too when you think of it? I can be so churchified. I can be so involved in church that I can make a decision based on what is acceptable to everyone in my community because I want to be accepted. But that decision means nothing to God <laughs> unless the Holy Spirit is in us, working through us. Because you hear God says, you did all of these things, but I didn't know you. So unless the Holy Spirit the one who leads us into truth, the one who helps us to understand within the full context of what we're doing, what is the best decision to make that we can stay that course, then we are not on the right path. Yes. Um, we hear, I, I believe that God created us such that we will hear that 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 voice guiding us and cautioning us i believe that and it's like you say when we listen and want to be accepted by what is around us and we're, we're going to touch on that later in in the lesson you kind of like touch on it a little bit i want to look at i want to share sister taylor's uh comment and she said free will means we make our own decisions and to choose God or not to. And we can't blame him for the consequences. However, the con is that we can make the wrong decision and lose out in heaven. And that is exactly right. You're, you are gonna have the consequences. You, you, you are gonna have the benefit. You are the consequences of the choices that, that you make and if you're going to choose god or if you're going to choose that that worldly voice that is speaking to you 
Thank you, Sister Taylor, for that. And happy Sabbath and good morning, Brother Dwayne. Nice to have you joining us. Um, let us go now to Monday's lesson. So Monday's lesson, that is entitled The Divine Slash Human Combination. And it brings to mind back in uh, Galatians, our memory text, right? Um, and how God works in us and with us going through our crucibles and our trials. Um, so sometimes, sis, people think that we don't have a part to play, that it is really um, God's uh, entire show, so to speak. And then some people put a whole different uh, meaning to letting go and letting God. And they think that once I present this to God, that there's nothing else that I need to do or that I should do. So our question uh, based on Monday's lesson is, um, how, what is, what is our part when it comes to, when we're going through a, a crucible, does the memory text tell us or mean that we do nothing, that we don't have a part in the crucible, or is it just that it's all on God? We're going through a trial, we share it with God, and then that's it, we just kick back. It's a good question. And, and I'd like to, if you don't mind, Sister Pam, to pull in again the whole concept of free will. As we're going through this journey of becoming more and more like God, the sanctification process, I think what God is doing is educating our will so that we can make the right choice. Absolutely. Absolutely. And in so doing, he's also helping us to understand where we are in this struggle individually, not your struggle, but my struggle as an individual. What are the sins that I am dealing with? This is why Psalm um, 139 is so important, that 24th verse. Search me, O God, that I may know my heart. Try me that I may know my thoughts. That's what the psalmist is telling us. So we are actively involved in that crucible because when he will not take us into a trial, because on the, on the girding, the trial is the love that he has for me. I must believe that love. If I don't believe that he loves me, I'm going to run to you if I have a good relationship. Pray for me so God can take you out of this. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Pray for me. And many times that's what I am going through the worst trial. Pray that God will take me. The enemy is attacking, not recognizing. Listen, I serve God. I don't serve the enemy. Yes, the enemy may be a part, the, the medium through which the crucible comes, but God has allowed it to happen. Why? Because all things work together for good. So mentally, I have to yield to that crucible and saying, Lord, what are you trying to do? And in the series of texts, Sister Pam, that we got for this week, the one that stood out to me the most is Hebrews 12, verse 4. And the reason why it stood out so much to me, Hebrews 12, verse 4, is the fact that um, it was talking about you have not struggled <laughs> or fought agonizing, I'm reading from Amplified, 
against sin. Nor have you yet resisted and withstood to the point of pouring out your own blood. I have to be actively involved and I have to have such a relationship. And I submit to you, many of us don't know God's voice. And that is why we ask him to take us out. But when we know God's voice, he, he starts talking to us and say, there is something I am teaching you with this, Marlene. Stay in the fire. Stay in the fire because you're going to come out like, like gold, you know, shining gold as we've studied before. So definitely the will has to be then yielded, not my will. Remember the three Hebrew boys? <laughs> I, I'm not bowing. You want to put me in the fire that time? I'm not bowing. And that is, that is like our part. That is what we are. That is the part that we play. We have to not submit. We have to build the stamina. We have to realize that those things are going to come. The tests are going to come. And it is for us to do our part by continuing to pray and all that good stuff. Um, standing firm. I want to share what um, Brother Philip Matthews said. He said, when we are struggling, it is our participation with the power of God that enables us to overcome the sins that so easily beset us. Yeah, it is for us. We also hear he says that God cannot get involved unless we have authorized him to strengthen and encourage us. And this is where our participation comes into play. What are we doing? What are we doing to help us get through the crucible? Because we have, it takes two. It, does. it takes two. It takes two. Um, so how... The second part of, of, of that question is how crucial, and we kind of alluded to it, how crucial and how important is our participation during the crucible? Just as Hebrews 4 verse 12, uh, 12 verse 4 said, you know, that we would agonize like, I, I mean, later on we see it in the lesson as, as Jacob did. You know, I know God's voice and I know what he's doing to me, but my redeemer lives, Job. You see what I'm saying? So it's very, very important. The active um, submission to God. I'm not going to ask you to take me out. Even though I want to come out, I want, as Jesus did too, not my will, but thine be done. Give me the strength to come through. Yes, Sister Taylor, she said, um, no, our role is not, to, uh, so she said, take Job, for example, he worshiped. He yes. worshiped exactly. during the crucible. We must grow during our trials. We have to build that strength. Uh, Brother Matthews, he said, this week's lesson is about the choices for the decisions made um, and how those can have uh, eternal consequences. The choices we make. And some people associate consequence with negative, but consequences can be positive. They can be negative as well. But you know, Sister Pam, at the beginning, in the first week, Pastor Gavin Anthony said, there's four reasons why we're going the, into, the, into the crucible. One is because of Satan. Two is because of the consequences of the sin. Three is because um, God is purifying us. And four is maturity. And I believe no matter what it is, God is showing us and we now need to yield and let him fight the battle if it's Satan. 
You know what I'm saying? If it's our own sins, like jo Jacob, like Jacob, we agonize, we struggle because we want to get victory over that sin because we recognize that sin separates us from God. If it's for purification, then he starts showing us, listen, you know how you respond to this situation? You see how you respond to that? I need you to have my mind. I need you to respond better. And if it's maturity, then he says, listen, you're growing in this. I don't want you to stay a babe. Hebrews 5, I believe, talks about we're babes in the word. No longer should we. It's too long. You've been in the word too long. You need to now be men of the word. Be feeding on the meat of the word. You know what I'm saying? We need to grow up. We, we need to grow, to grow up. up. Yeah. We, we have to get up. tougher, stronger. The, the child a little child faces is quite different from that of a man or a woman. You know what I'm saying? Because you're 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 more mature to deal with is the same same analogy with the Christian. And growing, you as you grow, you're gonna have experience after experience after experience. So you have to learn from the experiences. Brother Matthews, he also said, like Yeshua, we are to surrender our will to the word and the way of God on That's all that we can do. That's all that we can and that's do. our decision making power because many people don't understand the will. But every decision that we make needs to be filtered through Christ. And that's submission. <laughs> you know? Yes. It, it, and that is exactly what it is. Brother Matthew said, uh, amen, sister. James tells us to count it all joy. Count it all joy. And um, when we have diverse trials and crucibles for it promotes purity and maturity. Can that's I just say one last thing? This is why the Bible says, offer a sacrifice of praise. <laughs> Just think about it. A sacrifice of, I don't feel it. I don't want to do it. But I'm going to praise you like Job, no matter what. The sacrifice of praise. Sacrifices hurt. Sacrifices hurt, but it, it helps us. It helps us to grow. Yes, for sure. This is a great segue into Tuesday's lesson. Tuesday's lesson is entitled The Disciplined Will. The Disciplined Will. Um, and it talks about feelings when we rely on our feelings. And it is very commonly used today. It's how I feel, what I feel like doing. The text references the basic stuff, what I feel like eating, what I feel like listening to, where I feel like going. And especially, yes, I don't, I don't want to do this. I don't want, I don't want to deal with this right now. I don't feel like it right now, especially today where there is a lot of emphasis being, uh, is highlighted with, with mental health, mental health. So mental health is, is valid. It is real. It is true, but we have to consider. We have to consider whose we are. We have to consider choices. We have to consider what is my role here on earth? What is it that God wants me to do? So the text, the text gives us a few examples of where um, persons chose what they were feeling versus what was God's will, what they should have, how the, 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 the better choice. What was the right thing to do? What is one of those examples that stands out to you when it comes to where they chose their feeling 
over God's will? I think one of the greatest ones for most of us is David. I mean, we can understand, we don't understand Eve too much because it was in the very presence of God she did that. But then when you look at a David who had matured to the point where he was a friend of God, and but yet and still he, he, you know, he chose to give into the flesh. And I think that is how society or culture is leading us many times. And so when you think in terms of David just progressively making poor decisions that led to this big sin with um, Bathsheba, it, it really tells us that we have to be careful because it's the little foxes that spoil the grapes. It's the little things that we do disregarding what God clearly has told us not to do because he should have been in the battle because that was protocol. He should have been right there, but he chose not to. So he decided to just, you know, relax and do what he felt like doing at the time. Thus going to the rooftop, seeing Bathsheba, and then after that it was over. You know what I'm saying? And, and look to the extent to which he sought to cover his sin. But let's not point fingers too heavily at him because we fall in the same way many times. So when we think of that person who really um, demonstrated that how easily we can fall, with how imperceptible it is to fall, it really should cause us to think and re-examine ourselves. Because I, I remember we were having a discussion one time and we talked about that spiraling effect and how it starts off with that small, that small fall that you think nothing of and you think that you jump right back up and you bounce right back. And before you know it, it has mushroomed into this major event and you're thinking, now, how did I get here. And you're absolutely right. It's so easy to fall into this, the, the weakness of, of, of the flesh. This is something that is very, very um, uh, prominent. However, we, we look about it that, you know, we getting into that. Um, Pam, one last thing. Yes. When we think of appetite. We men have a tendency to think of just, you know, sex, but it's also what we eat. You know, it's also the things that we feast on with our eyes. There is just so many different areas. You know what I'm saying? That I was thinking about that. I said, we all have our points of weakness and mm -hmm. it is not, you know, is, um, and it is, is different. Uh, it comes in different forms. So let's say taste, right? My, I might, I might have a weakness for, um, cigarettes, that that what I, I guess it has a taste. I don't know. Or or even eating, being gluttonous. Yeah. Right. The stuff that you put in. Uh, you talked about about uh, seeing mm -hmm. what you choose to look at and look at how. Oh my goodness! Major the internet is and everything being at at fingertips. Right. And it is just it's and you're absolutely right. It is the sins of the flesh what we see, what we hear. But it goes into that. It yeah. goes into that. That is actually <laughs> the next question. So um, in, in Tuesday's lesson, 
we look at um, how Paul is cautioning us and it references first Peter chapter one and verse 13. What is it sis, that Peter is cautioning us um, about that should guide us in our choices? I, I love the Amplified. The Amplified says, so brace up your minds, be sober, be sober, circumspect, morally alert, set your hope wholly and unchangeably on the grace, the divine favor that is coming to you when Jesus Christ is revealed. <laughs> the concept of sobriety, we think of it in terms of, you know, alcohol. Isn't that right? Or drugs? Yes, yeah, that's that is always what it is. <laughs> yes. We think of um, uh, illegal, well, illegal substances. So when you think of sober, you associate it with somebody who's addicted to some type of a drug or somebody who's addicted to alcohol. It doesn't get it. No, no, they're not. Sin's, sin lulls us into a state where there's no longer any mental alertness. You see what I'm saying? You can't and think so straight. You, You're not you thinking think straight. You get, you get led by your own lust. And permit me to say something that I know many people are going to question, but take it to Jesus. I, am, I find myself easily addicted to TV. And especially those shows that deal with law and order, all of those kind of shows, I, I just, I gravitate to it. Saturday night, I sit and I, I, can, I can watch it till it goes off. You I can binge watch. Yes, binge watch. Okay. Yes. Okay. okay. But the Spirit of God would say to me, really? Is this really what you should be doing as a Christian? And you say, but as a, I mean, as a Christian, I can't enjoy myself. And the Lord says, no, but that is not recreative. It is entertaining. There is nothing recreational about it. Because what is it putting into your mind? The fact that the world is corrupt. You hear the cursing. You see you, you just see everything evil. Yes, you see a solution to it, but it doesn't change the core of the person. All it does is it's punitive in its nature. So be careful. So when it says be sober, the things that we just gravitate to and just passively accept, nothing is wrong. The culture does it. You know what I'm saying? We go to the movies, we do this, we do that because it's all there. But God says, no. <laughs> Be this careful. is saying. Be yeah. sober. Hear what the Spirit is saying to you. Because what seems right is not always right. Because everybody else is doing it. I my way is countercultural. That's what the Holy Spirit is saying. It's countercultural. So you when you talk about uh, TV, I think that during what happened to most people most people watch tv shows and they have their their favorite tv show but with the whole covid thing we got into the space where we can watch whatever we want to watch whenever we want to watch it right everybody has netflix or everybody has something that they stream and you're absolutely right there are times where i have i could look through an entire series and show after show after, and thank goodness there are no commercials. Show after show after show. But then, to be honest, sis, I battle with that small voice that says, Pam, turn it off now. You know, it's, I, sometimes you can tell the storyline. You can find something other than that to do. Yeah, I like what um, 
I'm going to read a couple comments and then I'm going to read what Sister White has in her commentary. So Brother Matthews, he said, feeling can rule when we stop being vigilant in the word and the way of God. First Peter 1 and 13 says, be to be sober, which is what you were just saying, with a clear mind under the control of the Holy Spirit. Sister Taylor, she said, Peter says, roll up your sleeve and get in the game. Be ready to receive the gift from Jesus. Um, so Sister Ellen White, um, in her commentary, and this is coming from my Life Today, page 83. And I'm just going to read snippets of it. It says, the mind should be guarded carefully. Nothing should be allowed to enter that will harm or destroy its healthy vigor. And I'm skipping down. Communion with God encourages good thoughts, noble aspirations, clear perceptions of truth, and lofty purposes of action. And that's taken from uh, my life today. She goes on and she also highlights in uh, the text, God's amazing grace. And this is from page 327. It says, few realize that it is a duty to exercise control over the thoughts and imagination. In order to understand this matter, this matter of right, we must remember our hearts are naturally depraved and we are unable of ourselves to pursue a right course. It is only by the grace of God combined with the most earnest effort on our part that we can gain victory. A lot of us forget that our mind is a powerful, powerful being. And as, as an educator, very often one of the the highest hurdles is when you can get a student to understand that they are capable because people come on board thinking, I can't, I can't, I can't read, I can't, I can't add. And once you can convince them that, yes, you can, you are able and you show them the steps and they make step by step, then that thought is gone. And before you know it, they are able to solve, they're able to read, they're re able to retell you what right all because it's that seed is planted in the mind we have to guard our mental state yes the, the two things the thoughts and the feelings combined she says is our moral character the thoughts so you're dealing with children you're dealing with adults depending on what the feelings are if i feel comfortable about something nothing blocks me i'm able to go through quite easily but when it's a negative feeling there is so much mental you know our thought processes are constricted and we're not able to move forward. And the same thing is true in accepting what God says for us to do. And that is for us to read his word so that the word becomes a lamp and a light to our path. Because it's just natural. Natural for us to have sinful thoughts, which are coupled with sinful feelings. That kind of is the engine that propels us in the direction that we should not go. When we understand that this is a spiritual warfare battle that we enter in every day, every day. So let's look at Wednesday's lesson. And that lesson is entitled Radical Commitment. Radical Commitment, right? Um, and it references a text that we're all familiar with. And some people might uh, see it as harsh. 
-hmm. And it's uh, th that text um, in Matthew 5 and 29 that says, if the left eye offends, you take it out, right? Um, but it is also looking at severing ties. Yes. Severing ties that get in the way of your, uh, of God's will and your relationship, building your relationship with God. So this might be a testy question, sis, um, but it is something that I know is real. We experience it. And the question is, how does the concept of severing ties, um, how does that seep into your livelihood, the culture like we were talking about? your yeah into the family and it's kind of like a two-part question so when you think about severing the ties as it relates to family is it possible is it possible and how do we sever those ties when it relates to our family our livelihood because we all have to eat we all have to pay bills and our culture what are your thoughts on that sis i think the severing of the ties especially when we're looking at family it doesn't necessarily mean that we sever communication with them. But when we look in terms of the values that the family has, values that we have passively embraced, that has become part of the, the warp and fabric of who we are, God is saying we need to examine some of these things to see if they align with the word so that we ourselves can walk in that path. Because unless we do that, then we will just imperceptibly drift away from him. Same thing is true with the livelihood and the culture. Many of us are in environments that we are not able to maintain. We don't hear around us things that are uplifting and, and lead you in the path. You hear people using profanity. You hear you know, how, they, how depraved their lifestyle is. But God is saying, a lily can still rise up out of the morass. You have to be able to make that, that break. And when you find that it is difficult because it's so important as to the how that I do that, I have to agonize, coming back to Hebrews 12, verse 4, I have to agonize and say, Lord, you see how this is bothering me. I remember when I was, was teaching in, in public school and I would hear this and it was in an affluent area. But I would hear all the garbage to the extent that God would bring to my mind when I was in a situation it could have been as simple as driving or in a situation with my family, thoughts of profane words would come into my mind just as a knee-jerk response. And it would be like, he would say to me, check, check. And, and you say, but it's your thought life. Did it come out your mouth? No, it never came out my mouth. And it, it probably didn't come out my mouth because of my time with God. But God said, no, you need to agonize with me that even in the thoughts, it's not there. And that was for me a severing that when I would hear it, I'd say, Lord, please don't let it stick so that I will not find myself even in my thoughts sinning against you. No, temptation is not sin, but you just don't know <laughs> how deeply ingrained it becomes to the point that when the rubber meets the road, you find yourself right there and you say, how did it happen? So the culture especially, and I see it with our young people, I see it in our churches, you know, how, how they dress, how, 
how the world dress, what the world finds to be important. I don't see anything wrong with it. Who is the arbiter? I. So how do I sever? How, how does, do I sever these ties? Through the word and agonizing with God. God, I want your way. I don't want mine. Show me just how what your way is that I can desire. It. And again, it comes back to the same concept of human and divine, that I can hold fast to you to the point where I will desire what you want, despite what is happening around me. It comes down to, to um, discipline. And, it is, and I have said it time and time again, when, when, when I wake up, I have to start off with prayer. And as I go through the day, because like you say, everybody is not privileged um, or blessed enough that they are in an environment where they are excluded or guarded or shielded from the ways of the world. I work in public school. And the way how the public school system is going now, it is crazy. All the stuff that you have to... Um, the different people, different adults, different parents, different, and these are all professional people. But at the end of the day, I have to know who I serve. I have to know whose I am and I have to stand firm. This is where it is God and I, my part, my part. I have to be conscious. Sister Taylor says, she says, salvation is a radical decision. And nothing should hinder us from living according to the biblical standards. I'm going to speak to that, Sister Taylor. Jesus lived on earth, but he was not influenced by family or culture. He loved family and friends. So I love the way that she said that. She said he loved them. He wasn't influenced by them. So what happens, I find, is that, yes, salvation can seem radical, but it is too uh, uh, when people like you were saying, sis, want to be or feel accepted. Yes. So they try to blend in. They don't want to stand out that way. They don't want to stand out as that person who's being different. They want to blend in. And we all know that we try to uh, camouflage it in a little bit way. You know, if the current thing is to drink energy drinks and we know we watch what we eat, but we see everybody doing it. So we might get a version that's not so strong. I really don't know, but I'm just trying to give an example. Right. And so the concept is, is you're absolutely right, is knowing when to stop. I'm going to say that is it. This is where I leave. This is where I excuse myself. Um, like Sister Taylor was saying, don't let it influence you. You can love them. You can deal with them, appreciate them. But it is a different thing when you try to let it influence you to the point where you uh, adapt to it or, or, and, and you give in to it. I grew up where I grew up uh, in the Caribbean that street is known as the street that does not sleep, right? And very often I had to go to the, the what we call the shop, the store, yeah. right? And when I went into the shop, um, what, you know, the village raised 
the child uh, when I went to get something for my mom. When I walked into that shop on one side where, where people were playing pools and drinking and carrying on, and the other side was the shop, I went and I got what I had to get. And while sitting there waiting, I made sure that I focused on the shop owner and his wife, and they would engage me. They would talk to me, how was school, blah, 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 blah. But I was never, and I thank God, I have never been one that felt that I need to use profanity to express my thoughts. Never, never. It's when you don't give in to those feelings and thinking, you know, this is what I feel like doing now kind of thing, right? You know, I there is something, and, and that is so true, and that is a struggle. It, it's a conscious thought coming back to everything we've said. But you know what, Sister Pam, what really hit me, and someone said it to me, it wasn't an original thought. Did you look into the meaning of the word radical? And when I looked at it, the Latin word for radical is root. <laughs> root commitment, in other words, are you going to the root cause of the problem that could prevent you from being committed to God? When you see yourself slipping, when you see yourself slipping in your thought life, because many of us, you know, one, one thing that hits me is that we like our personality. This is who I am. Now, God isn't going to take the personality from us, but he is going to purify that personality. Are we willing for him to do that? Are we willing for him to go to the root cause of some feelings that we have, some thoughts that we have that are preventing us from having full commitment to him? And, and that's signed to our message in its core, you know, going to the root. Lord, search me, go down to whatever it is that is preventing me from not committing all the way. If he's not Lord of all, he is not Lord at all. It has to go. So that's the radical aspect of it. And that's why it may sound harsh when he says, pluck it out. If you, when you're, anyone, and I, I'm not, so I may not express as well. But if you're into gardening, okay, and I'm not, you come to my garden and you see that I'm not. But you're trying to pluck out the roots, what happened? They still come back. That's why you have to go to Home Depot and get something that will kill it to the root. And some of it is not good enough, I know, because you see, I don't like to garden. So I go and I spray, and it dies for a while, and then it comes right back up. We have to get to the root cause of the sins that we have that so beset us, that prevents us from being giving our all to God, submitting all. I like that you used that example because I truly thought that it was me. I feel like if I look at a, a blade of grass for too long, it's just going to dry up. And I have been trying to grow a lawn for a few years. I have put money in it. And one day the gardener says to me, he says, well, you know what? It has to be something that you cannot see on the surface. It has to be in the roots. It could be bugs. It could be wood. But you, he said, you never really check to see what is in the soil that is eating up the roots. I, you're absolutely right. It's getting to the root. So 
I want us to move to Thursday's lesson. Thursday's lesson is entitled The Need to Persevere. And we read about Jacob. Um, what practical strategies that you use when you are feeling like you need to persevere through a trial? I feel like we all have trials. We all go through um a tough time and for some of us it seems as if the crucible is not coming to an end you cannot see over that mountain and it is a perseverance especially in today's um trend what we're going through i think some people uh, find it easier to just throw their hands up and because they feel like they have been doing, they have been doing, they have been doing and they still can't cross over. So what is one practical thing that you can share from your experiences that you use so that you can persevere through that trial? You know, I, I like what you said, Sister Pam, about we're doing, doing, doing. The practical thing is that we're not to do, we must yield. We must, it's more than praying. And I know that's what you, and, and I know you were, you alluded to that. I have to, and I have to spend time in the word and it's not studying about the state of the dead. I have someone that I, I minister to on Sabbath. And right now we're studying the state of the dead. And as I was preparing for it, the spirit says to me, understanding the state of the dead, does that create a relationship with me? And it doesn't. What it tells me is what I should not do. That if I have a loved one that dies, I'm not to believe that that loved one is in heaven. I'm not believe that that loved one is talking to me or watching over me. Yes, it tells me what not to do, but I must spend time just as how this is why the marriage relationship is akin <laughs> to the relationship with God. It's the quality time that you spend with your spouse that allows you to be, to, to that relationship to go through all kinds of trouble because it's undergirded by love. And that love has been fostered over time. So in, in order to go through the crucible, I must have a meaningful walk with God with, that I know him. I know him. I know what my, my, my father wants for me. And when I pray to him, it's not a one-way prayer. I must know his voice. And that voice is 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 um, sifted through the word because the enemy will say things that sound ever so right. But I know, just like Jacob, just like um, Abraham, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? He saw a vision. Yes, God made it plain. But as he's agonizing with it, he knew that that's what God wanted him to do. That's why God is bringing these um, these lessons to us because we must be able to practically walk with God. You know, Ellen White said something, and, and, and I read this before she died. She died in 1915, and she says, as I looked at God's people, I am sad. She says, when I look at them, they don't have practical a practical walk with God. That wherever I'm going, whatever I'm doing, he is guiding me. That someone can say, you know, I don't really believe that's what you should do. You take it back to God. And if he says, stay the course, I know his voice. I stay the course. Even if that course looks like I'm going into a desert, Sister Pam, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I'm going to stay the course. So it's the study of the word of God and a dynamic 
prayer relationship that when you come to him is as to a friend. Lord, sometimes I, I come to him and it's like, Lord, I wish I had my time. Because this is so sweet. Mm -hmm. It is. I think that some of us, when we we don't uh, stress enough the power of prayer and what true prayer time. If you were to say, if you were to get up and say, today I am going, I am determined to have a meaningful talk with God. Um, you're not going to be done in five minutes. You're not going to be done in 10 minutes. When you start praying for like me, my kids, my other family members, uh, people that I work with, the children that are entrusted to me, because I teach. When I and I go on and on and on, and then when I talk to Jesus about my struggle, my life, you know, then I have to thank Him for everything that He's blessed me for. Oh my goodness! Every morning I get up, new mercies and God. This is God is so so beautiful in the things that we have. I want to share Sister Taylor's uh, comment. She says, "I am going through a health crucible." And how I deal with it is to worship, trust in his promises, and not complain. I listen to music. Yes, Sister Taylor, we talked about that. Sounds of praise. Listen to music, prayer, um, through through reading. The, the Just choose anything in the Bible and read it, meditate on it, think about it some more, try to interpret, ask God for wisdom, and just and do stay away from what you know is going to distract you. For me, I no television. I'm not a television person, but when I get in front of the TV, I want to watch TV. Turn it off. Yes. Sit somewhere else where it's not. You know, if you know that you're a person who likes to eat and drink, yes. don't sit in a space where the fridge is right there calling you, telling you you're thirsty when you know you ain't that thirsty. Right? It's stuff that we have to do stuff that we have to practice and it is a daily daily commitment daily commitment <sighs> sister Newton, it's time for us to wrap up the so top yeah <laughs> we had a great discussion i want to say thank you for those of you who joined us virtually don't forget to click the like button like and share this lesson. It was an awesome discussion. And don't forget, if you have not yet subscribed, please subscribe. I want to remind you that we are going to have our divine uh, worship um, at 11 o'clock pretty shortly, pretty soon. And today's message is being brought to us by uh, Pastor Barry Bonner. And is it entitled Deliverance from the Chains? So aptly titled. Sister, could you give us closing prayer, please? Father God, I, I just thank you for hearing our prayer. We ask for the Holy Spirit to just give us practical thoughts, and we thank you for we receive them. And in a special way, Lord, I just lift up Sister Taylor going through this health crisis, and I thank you for how you are carrying her through it because it's through the promises, the promises of the word that we overcome. And so we pray this blessing on all those who are in the crucible for one reason or another. May this study just take them to a higher level. So and guidance. Amen. Amen. Again, thank you, everyone. Join us again next Sabbath. Same channel, same time, same God. See you <laughs> next time. Take care. Bye.